You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Uh, if you came during the music portion, my name is J.D. Miller. Beautiful lady who was here before is my wife of 19 years. Uh, yes. She has a very significant birthday coming up. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but it's this Tuesday. And uh, do you want gift cards from anywhere? I can tell the people, you know, to just uh, lavish you with. Uh, no, uh, we got to celebrate her, her birthday last week, and uh, she's wonderful and amazing. Happy birthday, love. Uh, and yes, so we, get, we have the honor of, of leading this church. And I'm going to share a message with you um, on the title. Uh, the title of the message is Emmanuel, God with us, if you're taking notes. There is uh, a place for you to take notes on our app under the Live Church uh, tab. You can go to Message Notes, and uh, you will see the message with the scriptures there for you to take notes if you would like. Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, he wrote an account of Jesus' life. And in his account, in the beginning, in the first few paragraphs, he begins by describing the birth of Jesus in this way, that the, the birth of Jesus happened when his mother Mary had been betrothed, betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child. Before they came together, she got pregnant. And that was shocking to Joseph. Matthew writes that she got pregnant from the Holy Spirit, but Joseph did not know that. And he was so shocked that the woman he loved would do such a thing, that she would get pregnant before they were married, before they were intimate. And I imagine that the conversation went something like this, that Joseph looked at Mary and said, Mary, how can there be a bun in the oven when we haven't put the ingredients together? I didn't bring you the bread mix. How is the bun in there? And then, there are kids in the room. And then... Uh, Mary would have replied, Joseph, I'm sorry, but God sent me this bread mix, and now the bun is in the oven. It, it just happened. Now, what would you have done in Joseph's, in Joseph's shoe? No, Joseph was, a, Joseph was a sensible man. He didn't believe it. He didn't think that that could happen. He was a logical man. So even though Mary said that she was pregnant by a miracle, there was a miracle bun in her oven, <laughs> he decided to leave her because he loved her. He decided to do it quietly. Right here, in the middle of this love story, a man deeply in love with his fiance now finds himself heartbroken. Something he couldn't understand or conceive took place and he's heartbroken because he cannot understand what's happening. But he decides to do the right thing. He's going to do the right thing, which is to leave her. But because he loves her, he's going to do the right thing in a way that serves her best. That turns out to be the best outcome for her. He still can't understand how could an innocent, beautiful woman, a daughter of David, be found pregnant before marriage. And there, in that moment, they find themselves in the genesis of the fulfillment of a prophecy that would change the world forever. 
Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 says this. As he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet prophet behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us when Joseph woke from his sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him he took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to her son and he called his name Jesus a couple in love and a promise fulfilled a simple promise but a monumental promise, a simple promise, but a divine promise. God with us. Now, what do you think when you think about God with us? What are the thoughts that come in your mind when you think about God with us? What does God with you means to you? Does it mean that God will meet your needs? Does it mean that God will change circumstances in your favor? Does it mean that God is, will move mountains for you? That He will help you overcome? See, to think of God with us and think of personal and immediate needs is not unusual. We see that in scriptures. Because if God is with us, that means God is with you. God is with me. That means He is here. That means that He is in my life available. And so there's got to be some kind of evidence that God is here. There's got to be some sort of evidence that He is with me. So that's a conceivable train of thought. And then it's one that we find in the Scriptures. Gideon was approached by an angel. And when the angel greeted him, he said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now Gideon in the Old Testament, when he heard that, his immediate thought, when he thought about the Lord is with me, I'm a mighty man of valor, his reply was, how can the Lord be with us? If the Lord is with us, then why are we getting plundered? Why are the enemies oppressing us? Why can our enemies just come in and take whatever they want, whenever they want? How is the Lord with us? That was the same train of thought that the prophet Habakkuk had. When he prayed the prayer, Lord, how long will we, we scream and cry out violence and you will not hear? How long will we, will we cry out violence and you will not answer? How are you here? How is this possible? See, this is a time of year where everything gets sugar-coated. We like sugar-coating things. We, sugar, we, 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 we sugar-coat cookies. We sugarcoat gingerbread houses, right? Any gingerbread house people here? You guys know? Not gingerbread house, people, gingerbread house people? It's time for you to start some new traditions. And gingerbread houses is one that has stood the test of time. You know, it'll be there for you. $7.99 at Trader Joe's. <laughs> Just buy some mint. And then it's, it's, there's a whole kit, you know. It's a thing. I promise you, it's a thing. We like sugarcoating things in this season. Not only cookies and gingerbread houses, we sugarcoat our family fights. 
so that we can come together on Christmas. We sugarcoat our disagreements. We sugarcoat even reality for a time, right? For a time, we don't want to think about our problems. For a time, we don't want to think about the bills. For a time, we don't want to think about our fights. For a time, we don't want to think about it. So we take these two weeks and we choose Christmas to say it's the most wonderful time of the year because they get to forget about everything else. But is that what Christmas is about? It's so easy for us to quickly turn Christmas into a Disney movie. It's so easy for us to quickly turn the miraculous birth of a Savior into a magical time of fairy tale and bliss. We look at nativity, nativity scenes and we think about the simple beauty. It reminds us of the simple beauty. Look at that, how wonderful. A child, his parents, reverence, the, the shepherds on the field, a starry night, silent night. It's so beautiful. But we forget to consider, why was Mary there? Why would Mary travel in such conditions so close to her due date? If there's any mothers in the room, they will agree with me and say that a donkey back ride, a long donkey back ride through arid desert weather is not something that they would choose to do voluntarily when they're about to give birth. Mary wasn't going with Joseph to a baby moon. She was forced to do it. She had to do it. It wasn't a magical time. It was a terrible time for Jewish people. It was a time of sorrow, a time of suffering. They, their country had been taken over. And now the emperor had forced them to take that trip. They had to go to Bethlehem so that they could register. Look at what Luke writes. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. He was the emperor of the world at the time. That all the world should be registered. <coughs> not COVID. <coughs> not COVID. Really not COVID. I got tested. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And all went... And all, uh, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. See, the, Ro the Roman emperor, the head count of his empire, to know who was, uh, who was everywhere and how many people they had. And there was no exceptions. They had to do it. See, God with us, the announcement of God with us didn't come during a magical time. It wasn't a magical promise to an exotic people in a land far, far away, living happily ever after. It was a miracle. The promise of peace on earth. The promise of good news, of great joy to the world, did not come to a people who already had peace and joy. They didn't have peace. They didn't have joy. Jesus came to a world in turmoil. Now, to any person, God with us would mean problem solved. Right? That's what we think when we think God with us. We think about what are the things that God can do. 
right? And there are certain assumptions that we make about God with us. Joseph and Mary had assumptions. The religious leaders at the time made assumptions of what God with us would mean. And we make assumptions of what God with us would mean. You might have your own version of what God with us might mean in your life. And when I say God is with us here, you might think, JD, that's a nice sentiment. God is with us here, but I don't really see any evidence of him in my life. God with me, not so much. Although it's a nice sentiment during this time of the year. And you might even think, I don't think I believe it. For if God is with us, then why is there so much wrong with the world we live in? God can't be with us. Because if he were, we wouldn't have all these problems. He would have solved the problems we face. It's interesting that that's the lead argument, the chief argument against God, that there's evil in the world. And so, much, so many people doubt the existence of God, not, let alone that he is here with us on the account that there's wrong in the world. But this, at the same time, we don't doubt the existence of evil spirits or the devil because there's so much good in the world. How come? How come evil and God can't coexist, but the devil and good can't coexist? There's a disparity there. And I, I don't make this comparison to, it, it's not a comparison of equal power, but it's a matter of nature. It's a matter of reality. God and evil, can they coexist? The question of whether God is with us is answered in the life of Jesus Christ. He is God with us. And his life, all the good, all the love, of the, all the grace of the mercy and justice that came through him and flowed through his life and continues to flow through his life is what represents God with us. Since that moment when Jesus came to the world, God's goodness, God's reality has been available to every single person who turns to him. Every single one of us. God with us. See, the difficulty with the story of Jesus, if you give, some, if you give it some thought, it's not that it's so unbelievable. The difficult with the story of Jesus is that it's unexpected. We have assumptions of what God with us would mean. And we don't expect a baby. We expect something else. Some other kind of manifestation. Some other kind of power. It doesn't fulfill our assumptions of what God in, on, with us would mean. In fact, if I were to ask you, What would it mean to you? I think rarely you would say a baby. It's a bizarre thought that God with us would start with a baby. Let's say you were God, okay? Let's say you were God and you're, you're drafting a plan to save the world. And so you have to come to the world. And you're going to have to draft a plan and say, all right, we, got, we, got, we have to figure out a way to save the world. How, what would you do? How would you do it? You might think, well, J.D., how can we answer that question? I'm not God. Like, I don't think anybody's qualified to answer that question. I think you're, that's a fair question, but we've already answered it. I think we've already answered it. You might be underestimating our capacity to answer that question because I think, if you think about it, if God was with us, in our mind, he'd probably have some powers, like X-ray vision, 
Maybe he would have like a powerful breath that would be able to just move an 18-wheeler, just, you know? Maybe if you were fighting criminals, you wouldn't have to say freeze. He would just freeze the criminal, right? Maybe if God was with us in our own conception, God would be bulletproof. And he'd be fighting crime. And he would be faster than a speeding bullet. And he would be more powerful than a locomotive and able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And maybe when he had solved most of the problems and he had some downtime, he could become a junior reporter at the Daily Planet and meet Lois Lane. And in his private life, he could be called Clark Kent. Rings a bell, anybody? Yeah. That's our version of God with us. That's what we think somebody all-powerful uh, uh, would, how somebody all-powerful would come into the world. We have a clear picture of what we would do about evil if we had powers that we believe God has. But somehow God didn't do that. Why? Scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God with us doesn't start with an intergalactic battle between good and evil. That's a fable. That's a novel. God's, God with us begins in a provincial town with the modest couple in love and a baby. Jesus didn't come as Superman to sit, sit in the world and stand in the world as a lone superhero. He came as you. He came as me. He came as one of us so that his life could transform every single one of us and help us become who God has made us to be. Now, if you're here today and you have difficulty believing that God is with us, that God is here because of some unresolved problem in the world that could not possibly still be there if God were with us, we have to dilute that to a simpler question. And here's a question we ought to ask. What is the problem with the world? What is the problem with our world? What is the problem? In your, if you go to the source of it, what is the problem with our world today? You may say, well, GD, take your pick. We have hunger. We have poverty, climate change, injustice, violence, corruption, human trafficking. The list goes on. What would a Savior do about that? What would a Savior do about the problems of the world? What would God with us do about that? What would, what would your version of God do about that? It is a fact that China is the great polluter, in, the greatest polluter in the world right now. It's the country that leads in pollution in the world, which, according to experts, is the lead cause of climate change. What would your God do about that? Shut the factories? Send everybody home? Everybody home? We in America consume more food and produce, waste more food than any other country in the world. We waste more food. We, we waste enough food to solve all the hunger problems in the world many times over. So what, what, your God, what would your God do about that? Would your God... Just punish everybody who wastes food, trying to find a way to quickly solve the problem. 
you know, broad sentencing and solutions for complex problems never really lead to solutions, actually just create more problems. You have to go to the source. You have to, and if you give it some thought, you will realize this, that there's nothing wrong with the world apart from us. It always go back, goes back to people. We can think up here and create institutions and, 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 and kind of build a character out of a problem. But at the end of it, it's always people. So what do we do about it? How can you make the problem go away and still save the person? That's the problem that needs to be solved. How would God make the problem go away and still save the person? How can you save the violent from violence? Not just the victim of violence, but the violent, the one who's committing violence. How can you save the violent from violence? How can you save the corrupt from corruption? How can you save the unjust from injustice, the person who commits injustice? How can you save that person from injustice so that he will no longer commit injustice? There has to be a way to deal with the problem at the source. And either you consider humanity rotten which is the gospel out there right it's is the common there's a common thread out there that all of humanity is rotten or you consider salvation and if god loves us and if god wants to redeem the world what would god have done to take sin out of the world to take that thing that corrupts man out of the world what would be the best strategy? Those are the two options. You either eliminate evil completely by eliminating every source of evil. That would be us. Or, if he cared about us, if God cared about us, he would become one of us, pure and holy, so that he could redeem every single one of us. And the God of all wisdom, of all power and all might, and all goodness came to the earth stripped of all of it. Of all power and of all might. And he became the most fragile form of that which he came to save. He placed himself in the care of a modest couple in love in a provincial town in the outskirts of Judea. And there he learned about the complexities of the human soul and the human heart. What drives people to make decisions? What drives people to make poor choices? What causes a person to become overcome by evil? What opens their hearts to God's goodness? And what tempted people's hearts? And he was tempted in every way. Listen, you may be looking for meaning today. And maybe like Joseph and Mary, you might have, be, you might have some turmoil in your life. You might, be, you might be in situations that you were not voluntarily put, put yourself in. It just kind of happened in situations that were forced upon you. And maybe your heart lacks peace today. I know that this is certainly true of our world today. Where can you go for solution? Where can you go for salvation? Where else can you go but Emmanuel, God with us? See, in every age and every generation... People have been preoccupied, preoccupied with their own search for meaning. And the ancients wanted wisdom. They desired wisdom. In the Middle Ages, they desired power and might. The moderns wanted good and virtue. They wanted to be good and virtuous. 
And the quest of our generation is not wisdom. The quest of our generation is not power. It's not might. It's not even to be good and virtuous. The quest of our generation is authenticity. In fact, our generation has been invested in rebelling against the wisdom of old and rebelling against power and might and any standard of good outside of their own selves. Nobody wants to follow somebody else's standard of good. I'm going to do what I feel is good because I'm going to be my own self. Can I be me? That is the quest of our generation. Can I be myself? And if I am my true self, then you ought to love me and you ought to approve what I do. And if that happens, then I'll find freedom. See, every generation, we think that if we get what we are searching for, we're going to somehow be saved from this sense of wrongness, this sense of wretchedness. We're somehow going to be saved from this sense of incompletion, this sense of lack that we have, that we're missing something. There's something missing. And we want to be completed. See, Christmas is not only a reminder, but it's God's answer to every soul who seeks salvation and redemption. For on that silent night, when the people feared and their hearts trembled, Emmanuel was born, God with us, and he felt our needs, and he fought our battles, and he faced our evils, and he conquered. So that from that day on, he could be born in us and bring us new life. Oh, that we may remember and live in this truth. Oh, that our minds may turn to, the, to God with us. When everything rises against us and when the world seems to be falling apart, may we be remembered that salvation has come and that salvation arrived when Jesus was born. And because he was born, God is with us. And he is available. And his heart is open to everyone who will receive him. God is with us. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen.